0: Malachi chapter 2, Malachi 2, 1 to 9. The priests are warned, a warning to the priests. 2 verse 1, and now this commandment is for you, O priests. If you do not listen, and if you do not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you. And I will curse your blessings, and indeed I have cursed them already, because you are not taking it to heart. Behold, I am going to rebuke your offspring, and I will spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your feasts, and you will be taken away with it. Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of fear. So he feared me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many back from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge, And men should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But as for you, you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by the instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. So I also have made you despised and abased before all the people, just as you are not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality in the instruction. Amen. The prophet, he does what is necessary. It often happens to be the case that when there are institutions, offices, roles of leadership in a nation or in a community, that those in leadership, those who have the positions of power and authority, Those who are the notable ones among the people are often the ones who are exploiting the people. They are often the ones who are in the position for themselves. They are there for selfish reasons. They don't understand, or if they do understand, they reject their responsibilities before the people, but especially before God. And when we're dealing with religious leaders... This is especially the case. Yes, every politician, he should know that there is a God in heaven and he will be held accountable. But even more, the pastors should know this fact. And in the days of Malachi, the priests, they should have known this fact. They were not ignorant of it. Moses did declare to them what they ought to know, what they ought to do. However, they rejected that. And whenever... There comes a time of a status quo, whenever there comes a time of stalemate, whenever there comes a time when people are sluggish, lazy, careless, and even selfish in their duties, that's when someone has to stand up, someone has to rise up and call it out. Someone has to scold and rebuke those leaders in front of others. It must take place. In the case of the Lord, he often raised up prophets, like he's doing right here. He raised up the prophet Malachi to say a word against the priesthood, against the priests because they were not doing their duties faithfully. And when they were not doing them, God sent Malachi. And he says, as he continues from chapter 1, remember we said chapter 1, verse 6 to 2, verse 9, 1-6 to 2-9, Are two main sections where the prophet Malachi confronts the priests. Chapter 2, verse 1. He says, And now this commandment is for you, O priests. He issues a commandment addressing the priesthood specifically. And why? Because it is among the priests and among the leaders of the people who are the examples, who are the leaders who are the ones honorable and in authority. So he addresses them because they, the way they handle things will influence the rest of the people. We'll see more of this later. Verse two, if you do not listen, and if you do not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts. They're called upon to listen, not to refuse listening or obeying whatever God says. To listen doesn't merely mean to listen audibly. It means to listen with obedience. This is the way in which he's using the word. And we do this in English too. So-and-so will never listen to me, which means he's, it's not as though he doesn't hear your words or understand your words. He refuses to do your words. And that's the case right here. If you do not listen, To whom, it says right there, says the Lord of hosts. Not only is it necessary to listen, to obey, and if you do not take it to heart, they don't take to heart. It does not go and resonate within the heart, having a heart of obedience. The heart is insensitive. The heart is dull. The heart is blind. The heart does not want to hear does not want to believe, does not want to obey. Here's a, a case, a perfect case, where we have both the external expectation to obey, but also the internal expectation for the heart to be matching the actions. The two are together in Malachi 2.2. 2. And what is it that's in jeopardy? What is it that's at stake? What is it that is being undermined and defamed. It is the name of the Lord. He says to give honor to my name. When they don't believe and when they don't obey the word of God, then they are bringing dishonor to the name of God. They are actually commissioned because they are called of God. They are commissioned to proclaim his name. They are commissioned to invoke his name in prayers and blessings And in instruction, whenever they are referring to the word of the Lord. They are supposed to do this for the name of the Lord. But when they disobey, when they won't listen, when their heart's not right, then they're not giving honor to God's name. Instead, they are dishonoring God's name. They are taking the name of the Lord in vain. They're breaking the third commandment. In Exodus 20, verse 7, they are breaking... The third commandment, taking God's name in vain. And the one speaking is no unfamiliar deity, it is the Lord. Exodus 3 14 and 15, when the Lord spoke to Moses at the burning bush, he declared his name to be so to make sure that the sons of Israel in the land of Egypt knew who commissioned Moses. He says, It is the Lord but also the Lord of hosts. He repeats this phrase in verse four, the Lord of hosts. In verse seven, he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Verse eight says the Lord of hosts. This emphasis on the powerful armies of God is here because it's in a context of punishment just like in the previous chapter, verses six to 14, it's in the context of punishment. In chapter one, it was more of a rebuke. Here, the threat of punishment is imminent as it is explained in verses two and three. And God can overpower anyone. Even those with honorable positions, lots of money, Lots of power, lots of strength, physical strength. It doesn't matter. If they dishonor the Lord's name, he will use his hosts to conquer them, to defeat them, to destroy them. Verse 2 continues Then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already because you are not taking it to heart. He threatens the curse. But it is a further curse, because he's already, he says, he has already cursed their blessings. They had some blessings, but he has begun to curse them, and he will further curse them, according to verse 2. I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings, and indeed I have cursed them already. If they won't appreciate the blessings of God, if they will not use the blessings of God to honor God, God will take those blessings away. That is the curse. And he repeats, verse 2, because you are not taking it to heart. They don't want it. They don't believe it. They have no concern in their heart and soul when the first commandment said to love God with all the heart and with all the soul and with all the might, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Verse 3, he continues the warning of punishment. Behold, I am going to rebuke your offspring and I will spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your feasts, and you will be taken away with it. He's also not only going to rebuke the priests, but also the offspring of the priests. And actually, the offspring of everyone. Because whoever follows the wicked priests among the people, they will receive the same rebuke. And their offspring, their children, their descendants will also. God will curse both the parents and their descendants. And if he does not mean their descendants specifically in verse 3, there is some question about it. If he means seed, meaning their harvest, their crops, well, that's not good either. Whether it's to the descendants or whether it is to the crops or even to both, none of that is good. Because if the crops are cursed, if they are cursed and rebuked, then there's no food and there's a famine and the children cannot eat and they will starve to death. He further says in three, I will spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your feasts, and you will be taken away with it. By refuse, he's talking about most likely the innards of the slaughtered animals, which are usually thrown in a heap and usually disposed of. But here he says, after or while you are celebrating your feasts, the implication is, I will send foreign armies to attack you while you think everything is safe and secure, peace and safety. While you think that that's the case and you are celebrating in your feasts, these armies will come and invade your land They will take the refuse of your feasts while you're celebrating, capture you, and then throw and smear all of the innards, the blood, the guts, the gore of the inside of animals on your faces. Because they are going to celebrate and they're going to mock you because your God could not deliver you from their gods. This is what happens. And you will be taken away with it. Not only will that happen, but you will be exiled. The exile has already occurred. Malachi is living in the post-exilic period. The Assyrian exile already happened, 722 for the northern kingdom. And the southern kingdom, Judah, they were exiled in 586 BC. Malachi lives about 100 years after that. And he's saying it could happen again. Four, after the punishment has occurred, notice this, after the judgment has occurred, in verses two and three, he says, verse four, then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you. Some people will not learn, some people will not know who the Lord truly is and that he is serious about his word until punishment comes. Some people won't know until punishment comes. That's why he says, Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you. Not only that, but it is for the purpose of his covenant, that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord of hosts. He wants his covenant with Levi to continue. And when he says covenant with Levi, interpreters don't usually think of the covenant as a Levitical covenant. They will more often call it the Mosaic covenant. But the Mosaic covenant is also a Levitical covenant in that Moses was the leader and from the tribe of Levi. God instituted delivered a covenant to Moses for the descendants of Moses, the family of Moses, the relatives of Moses, including Aaron, to be a part of executing this covenant. And the whole tribe was set aside for this. The tribe generally was set aside and then the household of Aaron was specifically set aside for That family to be the family of the high priest. But the rest of the males among the Levites were set aside to minister in the tabernacle and to have duties related to the tabernacle and temple. He wants that to continue in its true form and true sense and preparing the people for the the covenant of salvation meaning the eternal covenant, covenant of peace, the new covenant to be saved in Christ. They were not preparing the people with that. Now, the covenant that God delivered was a good one, even though many people think it was an evil one, it was an onerous one, it was a harsh one, it was unreasonable and highly demanding well in a sense it was but in another sense it was not verse 5 says my covenant with him was one of life and peace and I gave them to him as an object of fear so he feared me and stood in awe of my name my covenant with him the him may be Levi, or meaning the tribe itself is personified as a single man, just like cities are sometimes personified as a mother and therefore called she and her. This may be the case that the tribe was set aside and therefore the tribe is set apart as him. Or it may be a reference to Moses himself, my covenant with him delivered into the hands of Moses for the people, and especially for the tribe of Levi to be faithful leaders among the people. My covenant with him, either way, we know he's asserting that it was a covenant of life and peace. The purpose of the covenant was to bring about life, both eternal life and physical life. Eternal life because Moses also preached Christ. He believed in Christ and he preached Christ. So it would be in the anticipation of the coming of Christ for their salvation to be founded in Christ. Life and then peace. Peace with God and peace with one another. This is the life and peace that is in the covenant delivered by Moses and given to the tribe of Levi and family of Aaron. They were supposed to, on this basis, fear. It says, I gave them to him as an object of fear. And uh, then it says, so he feared me and stood in awe of my name. When it was first delivered, they understood that they should fear God. You may recall in Exodus 19 and 20, When the mountain was shaking, Mount Sinai, when the clouds were very dark, when there was thunder, when there was smoke, when there was fire, everybody was terrified and everybody feared God. Everybody did. So initially they did fear God and initially they did, as he says, he revered me or he feared me. They did do so and they stood in awe of the name of the Lord, initially, when he delivered it. Verse six, true instruction was in his mouth, and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many back from iniquity. True instruction, not falsehood, all that is true was in his mouth, on his lips. Figures of speech meaning he spoke the truth. And not only that, there was no unrighteousness, no wickedness, only truth and righteousness. Righteousness and truth. We notice here he doesn't say anything about love and grace. He does say truth and righteousness. Why? Because it is... If we understand truth, then we'll understand what true love and grace are. But if we don't understand the truth, we're going to pervert the true meaning of love and grace. Mercy. And the same with righteousness. Man has a tendency to call evil good and good evil, to substitute darkness for light, light for darkness, bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter, Isaiah five twenty. But not if we are founding our doctrine on the word of God. Not only did he teach the people faithfully, verse six, he lived faithfully, verse six, he walked with me, in peace and uprightness. He walked with me in peace and uprightness. Remember the importance of this peace, the peace between him and God and between him and others. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. Pursue peace and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews twelve fourteen. This is what he had. With God, walking with God. God told Abraham to walk with him. In many places in the New Testament, we are commanded to walk with God, to walk by the Spirit and not carry out the desire of the flesh. Galatians 5, 16 to 18. And and so, this is what he did. Furthermore, verse 6, at the end of 6, he turned many back from iniquity. That's another way of saying he preached repentance and was successful in convincing many to repent of sin. We may compare him to John the Baptist. John the Baptist had crowds of people following him. And many of those who followed him ended up following Christ. Of course, not 100% of the crowd, because in a crowd... There will be many who go along for the ride. They love the bandwagon. But there were many who did repent in the ministry of John the Baptist and in the ministry of Christ. In the same way, this is what happened in the time of Moses. Moses and initially within the tribe of Levi as they taught the people. Verse 7. For the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge and men should seek instruction from his mouth. He's describing what actually happened and then he's describing in verse 7 what is supposed to happen. It did happen the way God intended and then it's supposed to happen that way. Verse 7. This should be a regular feature of the way a priest is. A priest should preserve knowledge. He shouldn't destroy knowledge. He shouldn't get rid of knowledge. He means true knowledge. There's always knowledge. It's either true or false. He means true knowledge. He preserved true knowledge. This is what the priest's duty is. He is commissioned to entrust everything that was handed over to him, to guard everything entrusted to him. Moreover, Men should seek instruction from his mouth. The people themselves should ask, now what does the word of God say about this subject? What does the word of God say about that subject? I have this dilemma before me, priest, I come to you and I'm asking you, tell me what's in the Bible, tell me what's in the scripture, because I want to do God's will. That's the way men should be. Men should seek instruction from his mouth. Why so? For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. He is a messenger of God. He's not a prophet of God. A prophet may also be called a messenger. Kings may also be called messengers or emissaries of kings may be called messengers. But in this case, he's saying he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. The priest is. He is a messenger because he's installed into office according to the call of God, according to the will of God. So if he's in the office of the Lord, he is a messenger of the Lord. He's supposed to be a true and right representative of God. And the only way he can do that is if he is repeating the word of God, not massaging it, not fudging it, not nudging it, but actually explaining and repeating what's in the Bible. A priest is not an inventor. A pastor is not an inventor. They are not commissioned to invent. They are commissioned to repeat the ancient path, to show people where the ancient path is so that they might walk in it. Verse eight, they haven't done that. At least the the contemporaries of Malachi have not. That's why he was raised up. Verse eight, but as for you, you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by the instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Three accusations here, three indictments, From the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts, to the priests, you have turned aside. You yourselves don't obey. You yourselves don't believe. You yourselves are walking in unrighteousness and wickedness and in disharmony and conflict and in the way of death. That's the way you are. Two. You have caused many to stumble. You're living wickedly, and you're causing others to live wickedly. Notice that word. You have caused. Yes, it's true. One man can cause another to sin. Both are guilty of their own sins, but the one who causes another to sin has more guilt because he's causing or making somebody else sin. They're, that's the priesthood or the priests making other priests and the people themselves fall into sin, like they did in chapter 1, 1, 6 to 14. When the people come with their sick and lame animals, with their blind animals, with their stolen animals, the priests are saying, oh, no, that's okay, that's okay. God, God doesn't care about that. He doesn't care. So they say things like that and cause the people to stumble. And thirdly, you have corrupted the covenant of Levi. Corrupted it. That is, it's supposed to be unstained. It's supposed to be clean. It's supposed to be pure and undefiled. However, they have corrupted it. The moment they insert Their beliefs, the moment they undermine, turning aside to the right or to the left, the moment they add to the Bible or take away from the Bible, they corrupt it. They were corrupting it. So therefore, verse 9. So I also have made you despised and abased before all the people just as you are not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality in the instruction. The priest will never say, he will never say, I despise God. I despise his word. When I say never, they don't usually openly say so. They might say it secretly. They might say it in their heart. But rarely will they ever openly say, I despise the word of the Lord. But that's what they're doing. And because of that, God will make them despised. So I also have made you despised and abased before all the people. They despise the Lord. The Lord will make them despised in the presence of all the people, before whom they were trying to curry favor. They wanted the favor of the multitude. They wanted the favor of the majority, but God's going to turn it around. You'll have their favor temporarily, but ultimately they will despise you. You will be dishonored among them instead of honored. Your method is going to turn back and haunt you. You're going to fall into the pit you dug why just as you are not keeping my ways they're not keeping the ways of God and further but are showing partiality in the instruction they don't believe it themselves they don't obey it themselves and then they teach the others this part you can obey you should obey this other part don't worry about don't worry about this other part it's okay okay they're showing partiality. And usually it has to do with exposing the sins of the people. They won't expose the sins of the people. And it has to do with whose favor they want. They want the favor of the majority of the people because the majority of the people will give them what they want, keep them in their secure position, give them all kinds of praise, praise, Give them money. Give them, uh, leave them alone in terms of allowing them to continue ministering for their own selfish reasons. And when they say, well, the judgment of God does not apply to your situation. Only the love of God applies to your situation. Therefore, they're not going to preach repentance. Repentance. They're not going to do, verse 6, turn many back from iniquity. Because they're only preaching the palatable and sweet parts of the Bible. And yes, actually, one might ask the Old Testament has sweet parts? Oh, yes, many, many, many sweet parts. In fact, God's word to Adam and Eve, first to Adam, was sweet. He said, from every tree of the garden, you may eat freely. That was the sweet part. From every tree of the garden, you may eat freely. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. So there was a sweet part and there was a sour part in the word of God. And they should have known to follow the sweet but in the Old Testament, there are many such passages that extol, explain, expound the love of God, the mercy of God. Isaiah chapter 40, for example, one such place. There are many places that do so, but they cannot preach those passages to the exclusion of all the other passages on the standards of God, on the holiness of God. And if one doesn't meet them, meet those standards, that he must repent and believe in the gospel of Christ. That is the thing they were not teaching. That's why he's saying, you are showing partiality in the instruction. Well, that is a summary of the passage we have here. Now, did he warn them beforehand that they should always listen? Listen to the word of the Lord. Yes. Deuteronomy chapter 26. Deuteronomy chapter 26. 26:14 26, and 15. 26:14 and 15. After, in the first 13 verses, explaining some blessings, he now turns to the curses if they disobey. 26.14 and 15. But if you do not obey me and do not carry out all these commandments, if instead you reject my statutes, and if your soul abhors my ordinances so as not to carry out all my commandments and so break my covenant... I, in turn, will do this to you. I will appoint over you a sudden terror, consumption, and fever that shall waste away the eyes and cause the soul to pine away. Also, you shall sow your seed uselessly for your enemies shall eat it up. I will set my face against you so that you shall be struck down before your enemies and those who hate you shall rule over you and you shall flee when no one is pursuing you. If also after these things you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins, and I will also break down your pride of power. I will also make your sky like iron and your earth like bronze, and your strength shall be spent uselessly, for your land shall not yield its produce, and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. Verse 14, if you do not obey me. Verse 18, if... Also, after these things, you do not obey me. If they won't obey, listen and obey. If they won't do that, then God will retaliate. He'll punish them and give them what they deserve. Because it is only in pride, as he says, I'll break down your pride of power. Pride of power is a phrase basically that means powerful pride. Your strong pride, I will crush, I will Destroy. We also find this in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. It is similar to Leviticus 26. 28, 1 to 14 announces the blessings. But then 15 all the way to 68. 15 to 68, the end of the chapter, pronouncements of judgment. But notice the transition, verse 15. But it shall come about if you will not obey the Lord your God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes with which I charge you today that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. This phrase here, if you will not obey the Lord, your God, may also be rendered if you do not listen to the voice of the Lord, your God. If you do not listen to the voice of the Lord, your God. If they won't listen to what God says and manifest it by their actions, then God will crush them. He will crush them with a severe curse. The prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah, he is very familiar with the law of Moses, very familiar with the law. And he uses a phrase a few times in reference to the people and whether they will follow the Lord. He uses the phrase listen or if you will not listen and he's getting this from Moses in the early chapters of the book Jeremiah Jeremiah and we'll start at Jeremiah chapter Jeremiah chapter 5 Jeremiah chapter 5, he says this, 5 and verse 7. We'll start at verse 7. Why should I pardon you? Your sons have forsaken me and sworn by those who are not gods. When I had fed them to the full, they committed adultery and trooped to the harlot's house. They were well-fed, lusty horses, each one neighing after his neighbor's wife. Shall I not punish these people, declares the Lord, and on a nation such as this, shall I not avenge myself? Verse 10, go up through her vine rows and destroy, but do not execute a complete destruction. Strip away her branches, for they are not the Lord's. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have dealt Very treacherously with me, declares the Lord. They have lied about the Lord and said, not he. Evil will not come on us, and we will not see sword or famine. And the prophets are as wind, and the word is not in them. Thus, it will be done to them. God told them clearly in Moses what would happen, but here they are claiming to know the Lord, but they're dealing treacherously with him in verse 11. And in verse 12, they lie about God. God's word says one thing, they don't listen to it, and then they say the opposite. It's not going to happen. Even the false prophets are persuading the people in verse 13. Chapter 6. How about chapter 6? verse 9, chapter 6, verse 9. We read 9 to 21. Thus says the Lord of hosts, They will thoroughly glean as the vine the remnant of Israel. Pass your hand again like a great gatherer over the branches. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are closed, and they cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord has become a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. But I am full of the wrath of the Lord. I am weary with holding it in. Pour it out on the children in the street and on the gathering of young men together, for both husband and wife shall be taken, the aged and the very old. And their houses shall be turned over to others, their fields, and their wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. For from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for gain. And from the prophet, (coughs) even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. And they have healed the wound of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace. But there is no peace. Were they ashamed because of the abomination they have done? they were not even ashamed at all. They did not even know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall at the time that I punish them. They shall be cast down, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. And I set watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not listen. Therefore hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing evil on this people, the fruit of their plans, because they have not listened to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it also." For what purpose does frankincense come to me from Shabbat and the sweet cane from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable and your sacrifices are not pleasing to me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am laying stumbling blocks before this people and they will stumble against them. Fathers and sons together, neighbor and friend, will perish. They said more than once in this passage that they're not going to listen. They don't care to obey the word of the Lord. They should have known to do so from their heart. They should have known. The greatest commandment, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. They should have known to listen from the heart. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your might. Jeremiah even told them to do this. Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. 29, 12, uh, 11 to 13. Twenty-nine, eleven. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for peace and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you search for me with all your heart. But the people would not take it to heart. That's why in verses 2 and 3 of Malachi chapter 2, he threatens this curse. We read from Leviticus 26 how this would devastate their land. Leviticus 26, we read that. But we also see here in Malachi 2.3, this spreading of refuse on the faces. This is also what the prophet Nahum said would happen. But he's saying this against a foreign nation. Nahum 3.6. Nahum 3.6. He's say, preaching this against Nineveh. I will throw, this is the Lord speaking, I will throw filth on you and make you vile and set you up as a spectacle. Throw filth on them, make them vile, make them... A spectacle. What God said He would do to foreigners, God will do to His own people. Malachi two four. Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you. We said that those who are obstinate, those who refuse to listen, who refuse to obey, it is the case that God uses judgment on them for them to know who God is. Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5. When Moses confronted Pharaoh, (coughs) Pharaoh's answer was here in Exodus 5 verse 2. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. Pharaoh, hard-hearted Pharaoh, says, Who is the Lord? He didn't say, Who is the Lord? Tell me more about him, Moses. By who is the Lord, he meant it in spite of, and he said that I should obey his voice or listen to his voice to let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and besides, I will not let Israel go. He's saying this because he's against it. But God, he assures Pharaoh, you will get an answer. You said who is the Lord? You'll you'll get an answer. Exodus chapter 7. Exodus chapter 7 verses 4 and 5. Moses again approaches Pharaoh, and this is what God says. Um, Chapter 7, 4. When Pharaoh will not listen to you, then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring out my hosts, my people, the sons of Israel, from the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the sons of Israel from their midst. 7.17, thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the water that is in the Nile with the staff that is in my hand and it shall be turned to blood. Chapter 10, Exodus 10, 1 and 2. 10 verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may perform these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I made a mockery of the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. In this case, when God judges the Egyptians, then Moses and the people of Moses will know who the Lord is. God reveals his character through judgment. This covenant with Levi, covenant with Levi, we find this in many places in the law of Moses. One such place is Exodus, not Exodus, Numbers, Numbers chapter 18. Numbers 18. Numbers 18, and we'll read, it's verses 1 to 7. Numbers 18, 1 to 7. Verse 1, verses 1 and 2, will mention the Aaronites and the Levites. Aaronites meaning the family of Aaron and the Levites, the tribe of Levites. Verse 1, So the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear the guilt in connection with the sanctuary, and you and your sons with you shall bear the guilt in connection with your priesthood. But bring with you also your brothers, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that they may be joined with you and serve you, while you and your sons with you are before the tent of meeting. Verse 6, And behold, I myself have taken your fellow Levites from among the sons of Israel. They are a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord, to perform the service for the tent of meeting. This is the sacrificial part. They were commissioned to do so. But also, there is a teaching ministry. A teaching ministry of the Levites. This is the part that is not very emphasized or understood in reference to the Old Testament. People think that the Levites, the priests, their main or only duty was to offer the sacrifices. However, there were 48 Levitical cities scattered throughout the land of Israel. And in those 48 Levitical cities, the priests lived. They lived there throughout the year. And then on rotation, they would go to the tabernacle and later to the temple in Jerusalem to minister there on rotation. Otherwise, throughout the year, they were at home. And what were they supposed to do when they were at home? And what were they supposed to do whenever they were in Jerusalem? Teach the people. It says this in the book of Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 17 10 and 11 Deuteronomy chapter 17 10 this would be whenever there was a dispute whenever there was a dispute this is what they should do 17 10 and 11 And you shall do according to the terms of the verdict which they declare to you from that place which the Lord chooses. And you shall be careful to observe according to all that they teach you, according to the terms of the law which they teach you, and according to the verdict which they tell you you shall do. You shall not turn aside from the word which they declare to you to the right or the left. This is when there's a lawsuit and they approach the Levites to be fair and honest judges in their lawsuits. Deuteronomy 33. Deuteronomy 33 and verse 10. This section of Deuteronomy 33, 8 to 11, is addressing the tribe of Levi. And he says this in thirty-three ten. They shall teach your... Ordinances to Jacob and your law to Israel. They shall put incense before you and whole burnt offerings on your altar. The twofold basic ministry of the Levites is right there in verse 10, 3310. The teaching ministry and the sacrificial ministry. Both were theirs, their duty. It was their duty to do so. In the New Testament it says in 1 Timothy 3.2, the pastor should be able to teach. In Titus 1.9, he should be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. He's supposed to be teaching. In 2 Timothy 4.1-8, he's supposed to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Preach the word. So this is the basic duty basic practical proactive active function of the pastor he's supposed to do that just as the priest was supposed to do that also though he's supposed to live a godly life verses 5 6 verses 5 and 6 supposed to live a godly life life of Fear of God, truth, righteousness, uprightness, and peace. He's supposed to live that way. The priests of the Old Testament were supposed to do that and lead the people. The fact that Malachi is raised up shows that many of them were not doing that. They were careless and casual about it. But we have a good example of someone who was not that way. This is... Ezra, Ezra chapter 7, Ezra 7 verse 10. Ezra was a priest. He was from the tribe uh, of Levi, but specifically even from the family of Aaron. Ezra 7 verse 5 says this. His genealogy is reproduced here and he is said to be from Aaron, the chief priest. But 7.10, this Ezra... It says, for Ezra had set his heart to to seek or study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. Ezra did have a heart in the right place. He did seek or study the law of the Lord to know what was in it. He practiced it. That's the godliness part of it. And then he taught it in his nation. This is the way it's supposed to be. Have the right heart, study it, practice it or obey it yourself in a godly way and then teach it to the people as well. We find this in 1 Timothy 4.16 where it says pay close in uh, 4.16, 1 Timothy 4.16. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. For as you do so, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. And if we were to read the qualifications of both elders and deacons in 1 Timothy chapter 3, most of the qualifications have to do with how they live. Are they reputable men? Are they godly men? 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. How do they live? That's the same with the pastor. Pastors should be that way, just as the priest was supposed to be that way. As for consultation, seeking the knowledge of the priest, we saw this one in Deuteronomy 17. We find another in Deuteronomy 19. Deuteronomy 19. Going to the priests Deuteronomy nineteen fifteen to 21, twenty one nineteen fifteen to twenty-one and we'll pick it up at verse seventeen. If there is a dispute, it says then both the men who have the dispute shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who will be in office in those days whenever two men have a dispute they're supposed to stand before the lord look at that phrase stand before the lord and before the lord means before the priests and the judges who will be in office in those days remember it said in malachi chapter 2 that in 27 that the priest is the messenger of the lord of hosts He's the messenger because he's holding the, this office of God, representing God to the people in what he says and what he teaches them. They come to him for consultation and then he teaches them what God says. Isn't the pastor supposed to do that? It says in Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 that the Lord has gifted pastor teachers to equip the saints for the work of service to equip the saints for the work of service Ephesians 4:11 to 16 How about Malachi 2:8 causing many to stumble This is something we don't often consider that one man can make another man sin or one person make another person sin and if it has to do with the leaders making many people sin all the more do they have guilt do they have blood on their hands 1 Kings 14 1 Kings chapter 14 and verse 14, 16. And he will give up Israel on account of the sins of Jeroboam, which he committed and with which he made Israel sin. God will punish Israel, the nation, because of the sins of Jeroboam, their king, and it was Jeroboam who made Israel sin. Sin. He made the nation sin. 1526. 1526. And this is the son of Jeroboam, the same wicked Jeroboam, the son of Jeroboam called Nadab. He's mentioned in 1525. This is describing him. 1526. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in his sin which he made Israel sin. Down to verse 30. And because of the sins of Jeroboam, which he sinned, and which he made Israel sin, because of his provocation with which he provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger. Chapter 21. 1 Kings 21, 22. This one is describing Ahab, king of Israel. Another king, Ahab, in chapter 21, verse 22. <clears throat> and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nabat, and like the house of Baasha, son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger, and because you have made Israel sin. Ahab, like Jeroboam and like Baasha, made Israel sin when the priest who is supposed to do the opposite, he is commissioned with a blessing to do the opposite. When he shirks that responsibility and causes many people to sin, it is a grave sin on his head. That's why James 3.1 for the pastor says, Let many of you, my brethren, not become teachers, for as such we shall receive, incur a stricter judgment. A stricter judgment for those who are supposed to teach and live accordingly, live according to the Bible and teach the people to live that way. Humiliation before the people. If they won't obey, then God will humiliate them before the people. This happened many times to the kings of Israel, to the false prophets of Israel, to the priests of Israel. Many times, they were humiliated. But this humiliation may also happen to pastors. Pastors also may be humiliated for their sins. The book of Titus, Titus chapter 1. Here, this is a true pastor rebuking false pastors. Titus 1, 10. Titus 1, 10. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this cause reprove them severely that they may be sound in the faith. Severe reproof in order to be sound in the faith. How about 1 Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy 6:10? Six ten. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. Pierced themselves with many a pang. Walking away from the faith and becoming therefore an embarrassment to everyone around them because of what they preach and teach and how they live. So what Malachi preached against the priests as a warning of judgment is very much true for us today, because both pastors and the people who follow them, they have to follow the exhortation, the admonition, of the prophet Malachi. Let's do so. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Amen.